Okay, before we get started today, I believe I am going to present to you my very favorite email of all time with regard to BetterHelp.com. And it reads, Tony, I get it. You have a book. (laughs) Sorry, that makes me laugh right out of the gate. But what's with not airing the BetterHelp.com info before your podcasts? I feel feel like I'm talking into a uh, talking to text. I wanted to tell you that there was a question mark after that. But anyway, back to the email. I found BetterHelp.com thanks to your ads before your podcast. Thanks to BetterHelp.com, I was able to find someone that could help me understand and deal better with my ADHD. I would love it if you would continue to air the BetterHelp.com ads before your podcast because that is the way that you are going to continue to help more people. I know the book is going to be good and I plan on getting it when it's in electronic format. Don't get me wrong. I really want to hear you and your co-authors take on pornography, addiction, and betrayal trauma, but I don't want that necessarily laying around on my coffee table. Do you see why I love this email? So, I can't wait to get the book, and I promise you I will write a wonderful review when I do. But for now, can you make sure and put the BetterHelp.com ad before your podcast because it has literally changed my life. I was going to do it again. I was going to say period. Before I heard your ad, I had never been to a therapist. And quite frankly, I was going to go to my grave without ever going to therapy. But thanks to BetterHelp.com, I really was able to quickly find someone that I have fit with who can help me with my ADHD. Thank you for all of the work that you do. And please let other people know that BetterHelp.com can literally change their life. And P.S. It's pretty affordable. Okay. Thank you for that email. Now you can understand why I really wanted to read that one. And uh, in particular, he talks about ADHD, and that's something that we're talking about on today's podcast. Um, I guess I just made this ad a non-evergreen. So if you hear this one and the next the episode is not about ADHD, please know that I just got a little bit lazy and put this one before because I really like the content of this email. But you'll enjoy the, the, the episode, whatever is coming up next. But go check out what over 500,000 people have already done before. Sign up now by going to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, V-I-R-T-U-A-L-C-O-U-C-H, and get the help that you need or that you didn't even know that you needed today. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network. As you heard in this email, you can find somebody that knows that speaks fluent ADHD or people that work with OCD, anxiety, depression, you name it. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log on to your account at any time and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get a timely and thoughtful response. And you can schedule weekly video phone sessions. You won't have to sit in a, you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp will assess your needs, match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and oftentimes you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Which I will tell you that can be difficult. There are times where I may not be able to get somebody in for a few weeks. So in under 24 hours is, is incredible. Um, and if you do go through betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, you'll receive 10% off your first month's services. So what are you waiting for? You owe it to yourself at the very least to just go check it out. Go ahead, pause the podcast right now and go do it. I'm not going anywhere, but I think you are going to enjoy today's episode. So once again, betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. Try it today. Hey, everybody, coming up on today's episode, back by popular demand, part three of two of my ADHD, also known as ADD and attentive type, and me, frenemies from way back. Today, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some lists, things that ADD people typically avoid, like a vampire avoids a wooden stake. We're going to talk about lists of characteristics of the ADD brain. So even if you 
don't have ADD, somebody around you most likely does. So this episode is going to shed a lot of light and also give a lot of hope for those who don't know what to do with their ADHD. And again, sometimes the diagnosis is the beginning of treatment, more so with ADD than anything else that I think that I work with. So a lot of hope coming up today and a lot of lists and a lot of data, that and more on the virtual couch. episode 171 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and co-author of the best-selling book, He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An expert and a former addict to answer your questions, in which I play the role of the expert and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people like you reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody that you know is struggling to put pornography behind them once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a strength-based hold to shame, become the person you've always wanted to be way then please head over to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to get rid of pornography once and for all. Again, that is pathbackrecovery.com. And please visit Virtual Couch on Instagram. Um, continue to do some weekly question and answers, a little bit of Instagram TV, so follow along there. And you can also follow the Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist page or the Virtual Couch page on Facebook. Go like them both, why not? And if you have a minute, and uh, can you do me a huge favor, just head over to wherever you subscribe to your podcast and um, subscribe, rate, review, share all those wonderful things because that's how we get in front of more people. And uh, I forgot about this part and I've had a couple of emails recently. If you leave a review on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify or Google Play Store, just shoot me an email at contact at tonyoverbay.com with your mailing address. And if you're interested in a virtual couch magnet or a virtual couch sticker, I will send it your way. All right, today, let's. Uh, I'm kind of pumped about this um, episode, actually. I'm going to try to just speak a little more off the cuff, and that is because I am following through on part three of two of my ADHD, which is actually ADD inattentive type, and me, frenemies from way back. The first two episodes, which I think were around the episode 150, somewhere around there, 150, maybe 151. That was very vulnerable for me as a therapist. That was something that I have been aware of for quite some time and even had the diagnosis, have been medicated, that sort of thing. But it took me a long time before I finally said, forget it. This is who I am. I preach authenticity all the time, so I might as well talk about it. And I never anticipated the feedback from talking about my own ADD struggles or ADD journey. I remember at the end of episode two, I said that I, there's more I want to talk about. So let's do a part three of two. Um, talking about my own struggles journey with ADD. So today we're going to hit a couple of things. One, I'm going to go over a pretty exhaustive list from the book Driven to Distraction, which is, it, I really, that's one of those books that kind of helped me really understand myself. It's by uh, Edward Hallowell and John Rady, both MDs. It's called Driven to Distraction, Recognizing Coping with Attention Deficit Disorder from Childhood through Adulthood. And then I often talk about the Amen Clinic and doing brain scans and having the opportunity to be on some of the treatment teams with some clients who have been there for brain scans and how that has just opened my own world and uh, of understanding and how it's helped me be a better therapist, I believe. Dr. Amen has a very, very good book that I became familiar with quite a while ago called Healing ADD, and there's a revised edition. Um, I believe that the complete title is, yeah, it's called 
Healing ADD, the breakthrough program that allows you to see and heal the seven types of ADD. And so I'm going to quote a little bit from that today as well. So we're going to talk a lot about ADD today. And let me just say again up front that I know I, I often interchange the terms ADD and ADHD, and as a professional in the field, I should not be doing that. I mean, I don't mean to shoot on myself this early in a podcast, but it, the diagnosis is ADHD, and then the ADD is a subtype. I actually went to ADDITUDEMAG.com, AttitudeMag.com, which is a fantastic resource. It's uh, the little subtitle there is Inside the ADHD Mind, and you can go right there and look at ADD versus ADHD, what's the difference in symptoms. And let me just read from that a bit just to kind of get us all on the same page. So uh, it says the truth about ADD versus ADHD, attention deficit disorder, comprises three distinct subtypes, inattentive, which is traditionally called ADD, hyperactive and impulse, which is traditionally called ADHD, and combined. Symptoms vary significantly for each type from bouncing off the walls energy to quiet spaciness and profound disorganization. And just for the record, because there are times where I talk about just having this ADD, this inattentive type, which is more of that quiet spaciness that I've, I've often been called out on that I, I am a little bit bounced off the walls as well. So it is pretty fascinating. This is where sometimes I know in previous episodes, if I'm even talking about diagnoses of um, anxiety, generalizing di- anxiety disorder, depressive symptoms, that sort of thing, where kind of the, the, the lighthearted joke is that if you need to hit six out of 11 criteria and you hit five, then you're saying, see, I, I don't have the, I'm not diagnosed as that, whatever the thing is. So I, I feel like the more I look at the what combined is, um, the more I realize I'm maybe one symptom away from combined. I've got plenty of this bouncing off the walls uh, part as well. In attentive ADD, if you kind of look at that again, often written off as spacey, apathetic behavior in children, or mood disorders or anxiety in adults, people with this form of ADHD often lose focus or forgetful, seem to have trouble listening. And according to the DSM, which is again that Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, they list six of the following symptoms must be present and causing a severe impact at school or work to merit a diagnosis. This is again that inattentive ADHD, which is failing to give close attention to details, makes careless mistakes, often has difficulty sustaining attention, often doesn't seem to be listening when spoken to, often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish projects, often has difficulty organizing tasks and activities. So I think right there I've, I've, I've made it. Um, often avoids dislikes or is reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort, often loses things necessary for tasks or activities, is often distracted by extraneous stimuli, and is often forgetful in daily activities. Holy cow, I didn't realize I had all of those. So there is the inattentive part, the hyperactive, um, impulsive part says that uh, six or more of these following symptoms. And again, this is the one that says that's the stereotype most people imagine when they think of ADHD. And I love how they say it's a young boy bouncing off the walls and interrupting the teacher mid-sentence. Um, I think in one of my earlier episodes, I talked about seeing in a Saturday Night Live episode at one point where there was a kid on a leash. He was uh, It was played by Mike Myers, but he was harnessed to some playground equipment with chocolate smeared on his face and trying to continually run away. And I feel like that's yeah part of that that uh, I always assume. So I was like, well, I don't have ADHD. But six of the more of these following symptoms, fidgets with hand or feet or squirms in seat. All right, maybe I've got that one. Leave seat in classroom or other situations in which remaining seated is expected. That's one of those where in the diagnosis, and we'll go over, I'm going to go over one of the ADHD, um, just kind of this brief uh, checklist or diagnosis um, worksheet. And that's one of those where when I would see that, I was like, well, I never would jump up out of my seat. 
um, runs about and climbs excessively in situations in which it is inappropriate. And, and adolescents or adults may be limited to subjective feelings of restlessness. All right, so maybe I got a little bit of that. Has difficulty playing or engaging in leisure activities quietly. Appears on the go or acts as if driven by a motor. Can't lie. Admittedly, I often say that I feel as if uh, there is a, um, you know, driven by a motor, a motor inside of me. Talks excessively. All right, maybe that's, uh, I thought it was always just wanting to have a podcast. Blurts out the answers before the questions have been completed. I do not do that. There's one. And has difficulty awaiting a turn. I'm very patient when it comes to turn taking. And interrupts or intrudes on others. Um, example, butts in the conversations or games. And sometimes I do feel like when I had my initial assessment, the therapist that I was having the assessment with mentioned that, you know, when I said, well, I don't do that. I mean, I'm doing it in my mind, but I don't do it out loud, where they talked about, you know, that you can basically learn to kind of cope or deal with that. Because for my own personal experiences, I have recognized that that might not be the best way to act in public. So combined type uh, ADHD occurs when someone has six or more symptoms of inattention and six or more symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity. And then they just kind of throw out this generic kind of bucket that says men and boys more commonly have the hyperactive symptoms while women and girls more commonly have the inattentive. And because of this, men are more commonly diagnosed than women as their symptoms are more easily recognizable as ADHD. So, so let's uh, get on a little bit too. There's a list in this driven to distraction that is, is pretty phenomenal. It is a hundred checklist items, and this is not my way to do a personal therapy session to the podcast world, but uh, forgive me, but I will probably make some comments here. So I, I just thought this was fascinating. So this is, again, how do I know if I have it, the chapter in Driven to Distraction? Uh, it says the following set of questions reflects those an experienced diagnostic, diagnostic, uh, <clears throat> am I going to edit that? Let's not. An experienced diagnostician will ask, while this quiz cannot confirm the diagnosis, the questions can increase the reader's feel for what ADD is and offer a rough assessment as to whether professional help should be sought to make the actual diagnosis of ADD. The more questions that are answered yes, the more likely it is that ADD may be present. Since everybody will answer yes to some of the questions, and since we have not established norms for this questionnaire, it should be used in a, as an informal gauge. So I just think this is going to be pretty fascinating, and I maybe I won't read all 100 of them. But number one, are you left-handed or ambidextrous? I am left-handed, and uh, I thought that was really fascinating. I had not heard a correlation necessarily between left-handedness and ADD. Number two, do you have a family history of drug or alcohol abuse, depression, or manic depressive illness? Number three, are you moody? Um, and again, I like how the questionnaire says that some of us are going to say, we're, we're, we're probably all going to say yes to some of these. So it's more of, do you start to, to feel a pattern that's developing? Uh, number four, were you considered an underachiever in school? And uh, how about now? Number five, do you have trouble getting started on things? Number six, do you drum your fingers a lot or tap your feet or fidget or pace? And this is the stuff that's uh, been always interesting to me in the past. When I have wondered if I have had ADHD or ADD of any type, I, I've noticed that person, especially, I mean, I'll just kind of put out there in church that if I'm sitting in a pew and then there's somebody in the row that's just, you know, hammering their foot, just going to town with their foot that, to the point where it shakes the entire bench, I've always thought, okay, well, I don't do that, I've said, as I've sat there and just continually picked at my cuticles over and over or when the fidget cube first came out i was one of the first ones to buy it off of kickstarter and uh, just i mean i still literally have it i'm looking at it right now that fidget cube you can see little oil patterns worn out from the thumb the oils of my hands of just working out that fidget cube uh in sessions and when i used to carry it around more with me so um that was number six number seven when you read do you find that you often have to reread a paragraph or an entire page because you're daydreaming 
holy cow, I thought that everybody did that. And the more I would uh, talk with people, clients, that sort of thing, apparently that is not as big of a problem, especially for um, people that uh, just kind of maintain this intense laser-like focus in everything that they do. Do you tune out or space out a lot? I feel like that is something that used to be a pretty significant part of my life. And I will say, because I know that I still get a lot of questions about, do you have to be medicated? Of course, you don't have to do anything. And I do feel that mindfulness, although it is a challenge to those with ADD, it really does help. Because before I ever got my diagnosis, I had probably been on year two or three of a daily mindfulness routine. And if you haven't really, if you want to know more about mindfulness, please listen a couple episodes ago where I talked in detail about mindfulness. I I tried to really explain what it's about, that it's not about trying to just clear your mind of all thought, but what it really is. Because I feel like mindfulness is something that that helped me tremendously. And uh, I've given this example before, but not that I was saying that I was a horrible therapist, but man, if you got me about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and I had a client in front of me and I love what I do, I am locked in, I promise you, and but I would find myself kind of starting to to tune out a little bit and just think of, all right, where am I eating today? Oh, oh, come on, get back to focus. Or at my old office, I had a window. The client would look at me. I could look at the client. And then behind them was a window. And it was the front of a very busy building. And, and at times, it was hard to not just notice that I was paying attention to things behind the client. But I really feel like mindfulness literally changed my entire life when, when it comes to that. I found that uh, I would just notice that I was thinking about food and I would kind of bring myself back to present. And over a few weeks of doing that, I really do feel that I started to change the neuropathways of the brain and I was able to stay a lot more focused, which was nice. Um, Number nine, do you have a hard time relaxing? Number 10, are you excessively impatient? Uh, Here's the next one is one that that really spoke to me. Do you find that you undertake many projects simultaneously so that your life often resembles a juggler who's got six more balls in the air than he can handle? And I found that there was this kind of need or desire to try to have a lot of things going on. Uh, number 12, are you impulsive? I think that that can be looked at as spontaneity, and, and at times that can be viewed as something wonderful. I think it's kind of interesting to note that I was at a training on compulsive sexual behavior at one point, and the person doing the presentation mentioned that there's a very high... Um, what do they call it? Comorbid diagnosis of ADHD that goes along with compulsive sexual behaviors. So that um, that impulsive that impulsivity. Number thirteen, are you easily distracted? Um, number fourteen, even if you are easily distracted, you find that there are times when your power of concentration is laser beam intense. And I love that they followed thirteen with that one, fourteen, because sometimes I will have people say, "Well, there are certain things that I can do, and I, I can stay focused." And and I have had that same thing as well. And that's where, if you again go back to the science behind all of this, that ADHD is uh, part of this is a a lack of uh, dopamine in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, and so you're trying to create your own your own supply. So when you get laser focused, and this is where that procrastination can come in, where people, when you procrastinate and you have this hard deadline, that's when a lot of times people with ADD do the best, and it's because they have created their own supply of dopamine with this with this um, deadline. And so there are certain things that when you do that your brain saying, okay, we, I like this, we can focus on this, and, and that's when it will provide you with enough dopamine to keep this laser beam intensity. Number 15, do you procrastinate chronically? There we go. Number 16, do you often get excited by projects and then not follow through? Man, again, if you've heard any of those first two episodes, that was what really um, had me become more aware of what ADD and ADHD was. Number 17, more than most people, do you feel that it's hard for you to make yourself understood? 
the next one is your memory so porous that if you go from one room to the next to get something by the time you get to the next room, you've sometimes forgotten what you were looking for. Sometimes, um, you know, thanks for giving me some credit there. It's uh, almost more than more than not. And I again, if you have ever seen the books, if you give a moose a muffin, if you give a mouse a cookie, uh, you know, I remember almost uh, being in tears reading that saying, this mouse gets me, you know, this moose. I mean, I, I know he meant to get a muffin and look at the, the adventure he goes on. And to this point, I think that uh, I give the example that oftentimes if I, I would go to clean the dog poop in the backyard or, I don't know, go look at pool chemicals or something like that, and about 30 minutes later, I've, uh, I don't know, I've done something completely different or worked on the trampoline or I pulled some weeds or, you know, never having cleaned the dog poop or looked at the pool chemicals. So I I know that that is something that happens often. And uh, it's kind of interesting now with the awareness of ADD. Every now and again, I will, I will almost embrace this. I'll say, all right, I'm heading out in the garage. Let's see where it takes me. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of fun. Um, I, you know, there's a hundred of these, so I'm going to just start to go through uh, a few of these that I'm just going to do this a little bit faster. Do you change the radio station in your car frequently? Actually, kids, if they don't really know what a radio station is, do you fo- fast forward to the next song on your phone? Um, do you wear out the TV remote control switch by changing stations frequently? Again, I guess there are there stations uh, anymore at times. Um, do you feel driven as by an engine inside of you won't slow down? As a kid, where you call words like daydreamer, lazy, space shot, impulsive, disruptive, or just plain bad? In intimate relationships, is your inability to linger over conversations uh, an impediment? Are you always on the go even when you don't really want to be? Um, more than most people, do you hate waiting in line? Are you constitutionally, I love this phrase, are you constitutionally incapable of reading the directions first? Amen. Um, I didn't realize that was something that was in the Constitution, but apparently uh, that is one that I identify with. Do you have a hair trigger temper? You know, and if a boy, if I want to really go back into the, the um, being very open and honest, I, I feel like I am, I have become one of the most calm, calm, I just, I don't let a lot of things rattle me. And I really feel like that's the case, especially when it comes to anger or my temper. But boy, every now and again, I don't know where it comes from, but it's, uh, you know, I still remember this and I'm super embarrassed about this story, but I remember being at a, at a training. This was when I was still combining my, um, technology career and computer forensics with doing some part-time therapy. And I remember being at a forensic conference and it was up in Lake Tahoe and, uh, and I went in to buy something at a store and I, you know, and again, I'm a, I'm a calm person. I really am, or, or at least I try to be, or a kind person. And I remember wanting to find out the price of something. And I took it up to one of those self-scanning uh, kiosks. And I just scanned the item. And I was just having a fine day. And uh, there was an employee that came over and told me that I, I couldn't do that, that those were only for purchases, and that I couldn't use that for a price check. And I just remember my I, my temper just immediately got the best of me, and I said something pretty snarky. And then I, thank goodness, kind of caught myself and tried to apologize. The person was, was not having any of it, so then I felt even worse. But every now and again, once in a blue moon, and I don't know where it comes from, I think one other time there was something to do with a rental car that I remember I just thought, okay, who is this guy, meaning me, and the response that I was given. I feel like uh, mindfulness has really helped me over the last few years. I can't remember one of those situations in the last few years, but I know that that, uh, that hair trigger temper was something that I was surprised by. Uh, a couple of, a couple more here. Are you constantly having to sit on yourself to keep from blurting out the wrong thing? Do you like to gamble? Do you feel like exploding inside when someone has trouble getting to the point? Were you hyperactive as a child? Are you drawn to situations of high intensity? Do you often try to do hard things rather than things that come easily to you? Are you particularly intuitive? 
Um, do you find yourself involved in situations without having planned it at all? Would you rather have your teeth drilled by a dentist than make or follow a list? <laughs> um, I don't know about that one. Uh, you know, I'm I'm fine with making a list. I guess the following a list is kind of a challenge, but I'm actually not a fan of getting my teeth drilled by my dentist either. Um, love my dentist, as a matter of fact, and uh, I'm trying. I, my dentist is going to come on and talk about anxiety and dentistry, which I'm kind of excited about. Do you chronically resolve to organize your life better, only to find that you're always on the brink of chaos? Oh yes. Uh, this might be an interesting time to throw just a couple of things out. I've uh, was talking to a, um, a couple of friends about some things that that I think that I didn't recognize were part of ADD until I really got into the diagnosis. And there are some things like, uh, boy, I cannot stand opening my mail. I mean, I have stacks of mail and I know that that is not a healthy, helpful thing because there can be some things that really need to be dealt with immediately. But uh, boy, I just want to put it off and I just want to put it off till later and not deal with it. And sometimes that can, and I've talked with many people on this where, you know, you can have somebody that, that does very well financially and uh, they find themselves all of a sudden they've lost their medical insurance or um, the water's been cut off to the home or things like that. And it's because they just have just put off and put off taking care of a bill or paying something. And it's not that for, you know, it's not for lack of, of finances, but it's just this um, kind of kicking things down the road. So I, I find that that's a, a very common one, especially the male one. For some reason, I hear that one so often. Uh, okay, what, do you often find that you have an itch that you cannot scratch, an appetite for something more, and you're not sure what it is? Uh, it says, would you describe yourself as hypersexual? And again, some of that sometimes is that impulse control and just kind of looking for that quick dopamine bump in the brain. Okay, I, uh, I'm not even to 50 yet. I'll try to go through these a little bit uh, quickly. Um, would you consider yourself an addictive personality? Are you more flirtatious than you really mean to be? Did you grow up in a chaotic, bound, boundaryless family? Do you find it hard to be alone? Do you often counter depressive moods by some sort of potentially harmful compulsive behavior, such as overworking, overspending, overdrinking, or overeating? Do you have dyslexia? Do you have a family history of ADD or hyperactivity? Do you have a hard, hard time tolerating frustration? Are you restless without, quote, action in your life? Do you have a hard time reading a book all the way through? I've uh, heard that one often, too, where people may have many, many books that they have begun but haven't finished any. Um, are you beset by irrational worries? Do you frequently make letter or number reversals? Have you been the driver and at fault in more than four car accidents? I found that one interesting. Do you handle money erratically? Are you a gung-ho, go-for-it sort of person? Do you find that structure and routine are both rare in your life and soothing when you do find them? Have you been divorced more than once? Do you struggle and maintain self-esteem? Do you have poor hand-eye coordination? Uh, have you changed jobs a lot? Are you a maverick? Are memos virtually impossible for you to read or write? Do you find it almost impossible to keep an updated address book, phone book, or Rolodex? Um, those are a little bit dated, I realize. Are you the life of the party one day and a hangdog the next? Um, given an unexpected chunk of free time, do you often find that you don't use it well or you get depressed during it? I think that one's one I hear often as well. Are you more creative or imaginative than most people? Is paying attention or staying tuned in a chronic problem for you? Do you work best in short spurts? I found this next one pretty interesting. Do you find you often get depressed after a success? Um, do you feel you fail to live up to your potential? I think those are both ones that I had uh, recognized early on that I did not know were part of this ADD piece. Uh, were you ever the class clown? Were you a daydreamer? Are you particularly rested? And just uh, we'll cover a few more here, and then we'll kind of get on to the next uh, next part that I want to share. We'll do one of the, the diagnoses or the, the checklist. Um, do you tend to approach problems intuitively? When you get lost, do you tend to feel your way along rather than refer to a map? 
And uh, do you have many allergies? I thought that was interesting. Are you more effective when you're your own boss? Are you smarter than you've been able to demonstrate? Are you particularly insecure? Do you have trouble keeping secrets? Do you often forget what you're going to say just as you're about to say it? Do you love to travel? Have you ever wondered if you're crazy? Do you get the gist of things very quickly? Do you laugh a lot? And I love this one. The last one they had, did you have trouble paying attention long enough to read this entire questionnaire? Yes. And as a matter of fact, I did when I was looking over it to prepare. So again, I hope in this next part is really important. That list was not to make or make you feel overwhelmed. I, I hope that if anything, if you feel like you identify with a lot of those different parts of that that list, that now there's a little bit more awareness around the, the potential that that might be some of the reasons why you feel that you are not living up to your potential, or the, just to kind of understand that there it's not that there are these horrific things wrong with you. Let me read a couple of my favorite, absolute favorite quotes from this book, Driven to Distraction. So here's where the, the, the diagnosis comes into play. In the book, it says, hope begins with the diagnosis. More than with most disorders, often just the making of the diagnosis of ADD exerts a powerful therapeutic effect. The walls of years of misunderstanding come crashing down under the force of a lucid explanation of the cause of the individual's problems. So this next part really spoke to me. While with other medical conditions, the diagnosis directs the treatment, with ADD, to a large extent, the diagnosis is the treatment. The diagnosis brings great relief in and of itself. For example, this is what I think about often, if you were nearsighted and had never heard of nearsightedness, and for years you had thought your blurry vision and subsequent learning problems were due to a lack of effort or moral turpitude, imagine your relief in discovering that there was this condition called nearsightedness, and it had nothing to do with effort or morality, but rather was a neurological condition. So it is with ADD. The diagnosis is liberating. Everything else in the treatment evolves logically from an understanding of the diagnosis. And that part, to me, just, it really spoke to me. And I think that that quote alone has been one that I have had referred to more than most quotes of a podcast in the emails that I receive, is that imagine learning that the problems were not due to a lack of effort or moral turpitude. Because a lot of times people with ADD, ADHD, especially in adulthood, feel that, that what is wrong with me You know, if I can't complete these projects or if I just have multiple things going at the same time or if I do feel like there's this uh, driven by a motor, this impulsivity is there and they often feel like I something's wrong with me. And I often say that in my office where this started to become more clear is when I had some very successful clients who were just struggling though. They were really struggling, successful maybe to the outside world and they would, they would just, I would continually hear this uh, refrain of, I, I just got to, I just got to try harder or I just, I just have to do it. I just have to do these things that I'm talking about. And I remember feeling that myself, a feeling like, man, I've said that a million times of, all right, I, I just have to get this, uh, you know, this, this thing written, or I just have to record this one uh, project, or I just have to finish my website, or I just have to, it's like, I know that, but why, why can I not do it? And a lot of that was liberating to, to discover that, uh, you know, that was, that was this ADD that was coming into play. So a couple more quotes that while I'm on this chapter, They go on to say, and again, this is in the book, Driven to Distraction, as you learn about ADD, you change yourself. You give yourself a power you never had before, and the power resides in the knowledge. Your knowledge becomes a part of you and silently, subtly works to move you to a new place. The treatment of ADD is not passive. It's not something one reclines to receive. Rather, the treatment is an active process involving work and study. In adults, the process of education is straightforward. Through reading, attending lectures, talking to experts and others who have ADD, you gradually learn as much as you can about it. 
in children. The process raises questions in most parents' and teachers' minds. How do we tell a child at what age is he or, is he or she old enough to know what ADD is? Should other children in the class know if one child has it? Um, and then that whole talk about medication. Uh, these are difficult questions. There's no right answer. And then he goes on to say, however, based on extensive experience with many children, families, and schools, he has found the following principle to be the best guide. Tell the truth. I love that. He says, telling the truth to the child and to the school helps destigmatize ADD. It helps normalize the syndrome. By not requiring one to skip over certain points or invent childlike euphemisms, it also allows one to convey the information in the simplest and most accurate way. Instead of resorting to some disguised version of the truth, which the child can usually see through anyway, and which conveys a message of secrecy and danger, telling the truth implies there's nothing to hide, nothing to fear, and nothing to be ashamed of. Which is, again, a huge part of why I decided this was something that I needed to talk about as well. And while I have this book open, before I move on to the next part of this podcast, I just want to read, because just a couple of pages away is, again, one of my favorite quotes, and it's about structure. Um, so please, please hear this, feel this one. Structure is central in the treatment of ADD. The word structure is a homely one, perhaps conjuring up dull images of blueprints or two-by-fours. However, structure can dazzle with its results. Structure makes possible the expression of talent. Without structure, no matter how much talent there may be, there is only chaos. Think of what a tight structure Mozart worked within. The very tightness of the structure helped create the intensity of the expression of Mozart's genius. Whether it be the iambic pentameter of Shakespeare, the rhyme couplets of Pope, or the rhythm of the long-distance runner, or the timing of the short-order cook, all creative expression requires structure. And here is the kicker. Many adults with ADD have not fulfilled their considerable creative potential because they have been unable to shape and direct their creative energies. Um, the authors went on to talk about a thermometer and the mercury it contains. If you've ever broken a thermometer, you know what happens to the mercury. Uh, they say that the ADD mind is like spilled mercury, running and beating. Structure is the vessel needed to contain the mercury of the ADD mind to keep it from being here and there and everywhere all at once. Structure allows the ADD mind to be put to best use rather than dissipating itself like so many tiny beads of mercury on the floor. All right, so let me just kind of run through a couple of other uh, diagnostic tools. I want to read a little bit from the Dr. Amen book, and then we'll get you out of here. And you will now know more about ADD and ADHD than you ever thought you could in your entire life. Okay, so here is just something, and again, not using this in a professional diagnostic manner, but it's called the Adult ADHD Self-Report Scale, ASRS version 1.1 Symptom Checklist. And the instructions to say it's an instrument consisting of 18 uh, DSM-4-TR criteria. Six of the 18 questions were found to be the most predictive of symptoms consistent with ADHD. These six questions are the basis for the ASRS version 1.1 screener and are also part A of the symptom checklist. And then it says part B of the symptom checklist uh, contains the remaining 12 questions. So in this, and I'll just go over these and you can kind of just take this along with me. And uh, it's again, it's a self-report scale. And the thing that can be difficult about these is the answers are never rarely, sometimes, often, and very often. So it says to please answer the questions below, rating yourself on each of the criteria shown using the scale on the right side of the page. As you answer each question, place an X in the box that best describes how you felt and conducted yourself over the past six months. And uh, so I think this is kind of interesting. Number one, how often do you have trouble wrapping up the final details of a project once the challenging parts have been done? Again, that's never, rarely, sometimes, often, and very often. And, uh, and I guess I'll kind of give you a little bit of a, of a cheat sheet here as well. When you're taking this self-report scale, 
on the there there are certain sections where the answers are there's gray. So the gray part you end up when you're tallying up scores, the gray part is what kind of is in that ADHD category. So on that one it's from sometimes over. So sometimes often or very often follow into this um, hey ADHD self report scale uh, kind of part. Number two, how often do you have difficulty getting things in order when you have to do a task that requires organization? Again, never, rarely, sometimes, often, or very often. And, and once again, from sometimes, often, or very often falls in that this might be a symptom of ADHD. Number three, how often do you have problems remembering appointments or obligations? And uh, again, the gray area extends from sometimes, often, and very often. Number four, when you have a task that requires a lot of thought, how often do you avoid or delay getting started? That one, the gray area is only in often and very often. Number five, how often do you fidget or squirm with your hands or feet when you have to sit down for a long time? And in that one, again, using the scale never, rarely, sometimes, often, and very often, the gray area extends in often and very often. And number six, how often do you feel overly active and compelled to do things like you were driven by a motor? And uh, that one, the gray area extends to often and very often. So that's the, that's part A. So then part B um, part B kind of goes into a little bit more detail of the symptomology. And um, so the frequency of scores on Part B, it just says provide additional cues and can serve as further probes into the patient's symptoms. And again, once again, it's saying pay particular attention to marks appearing in the dark shaded boxes. The frequency-based response is more sensitive with certain questions, and no total score or diagnostic likelihood is util- utilized for these next 12 questions but it's been found that the six questions in part A are the most predictive of the disorder and are best used as just a screening instrument. So in that uh, first part that we just did, part A, it says if four or more marks appear in the darkly shaded boxes within part A, then the patient has symptoms that are highly consistent with ADHD in adults and further investigation is warranted. So it's kind of just saying, uh, hey, something you, you might want to look into a little bit more. So the part B, I'll go through these pretty quickly. How often do you make careless mistakes when you have to work on a boring or difficult project? And um, the gray areas and often or very often. And number eight, how often do you have difficulty keeping your attention when you're doing boring or repetitive work? And the grays and often or very often. Number nine, how often do you have difficulty concentrating on what people say to you, even when they're speaking to you directly? Um, that gray is from the middle, from sometimes and over. Number 10, how often do you misplace or have difficulty finding things at home or at work? And that gray is from often and very often. Number 11, how often are you distracted by activity or noise around you? And the gray areas and often and very often. Um, number 12, how often do you leave your seat in meetings or other situations which you're expected to remain seated? And the gray part is from sometimes, often, and very often. Number 13, how often do you feel restless or fidgety? And uh, the gray areas and often or very often. And number 14, how often do you have difficulty unwinding and relaxing when you have time to yourself? That gray is in often and very often. Number 15, how often do you find yourself talking too much when you're in social situations? Uh, the gray areas in often or very often. we got three more. When you're in a conversation, how often do you find yourself finishing the sentences of people you're talking to before they can finish them themselves? And that gray area is in uh, the area of sometimes, often, and very often. Two more, how often do you have difficulty waiting your turn in situations when turn-taking is required? Um, you can see that they start to kind of look for patterns here. The gray areas in often or very often. And the last one, how often do you interrupt others when they're busy? And that one is in some of the gray areas, sometimes, often, and very often. So, so I think that that's uh, just to give you an idea of what 
a, a screening might look like. Uh, that's, again, the adult ADHD self-report scale because there, you know, a lot of the questions that I've received are there, people are afraid to go in and get tested. They're not, they're unsure of what that would even look like and uh, people can be intimidated. So that's why I wanted to give you an idea of just from the book Driven to Distraction, uh, just that list that kind of says, hey, here's some things that you might want to pay more attention to. Let me end with this. Um, in Dr. Amon's book, Healing ADD, the Revised Edition, there's a, a hilarious part where at the beginning of the book, he has a, a section called Healing ADD Starter Report for those who don't read directions. And uh, this made me laugh, uh, literally like out loud when I first got the book. He says, if you have uh, attention deficit disorder, ADD, also known as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, he said, I know you're not likely to read this entire book. He said, I've been working with people who have ADD for over 30 years. You may have strengths, but a long attention span is usually not one of them. So to honor the fact that many people with ADD have a short attention span and get distracted easily and have poor follow-through, I develop a starter report to help you quickly get on your way of healing ADD. So he goes on to uh, say, step one, do you or a loved one really have ADD? And according to Dr. Amen, he said there are five hallmark symptoms of ADD. Number one, short attention span. For regular routine everyday tasks, people with ADD have a difficult time with boring tasks and need stimulation or excitement in order to stay engaged. Many people with ADD can pay attention just fine for things that are new, novel, or interesting, highly stimulating, or frightening. I thought the last one was really interesting. Number two, distractibility. People with ADD tend to notice more in their environment than others, which makes them easily distracted by outside stimulus, such as light, sound, smells, certain tastes, or even the clothes they wear. Their keen sensitivity causes them to get easily off task. Number three, disorganization. Most people with ADD tend to struggle with organization of time and space. They tend to be late and have trouble completing tasks on time. Many things get done at the last moment or even later, and they also tend to struggle keeping their spaces tidy. Oh boy, guilty here. Especially their rooms, book bags, filing cabinets, drawers, closets, and paperwork. Number four, procrastination. Tasks and duties get put off until the last moment. Things tend not to get done until there are deadlines and someone else is mad at them for not doing it. And the last one, poor internal supervision. Many people with ADD have issues with judgment and impulse control and struggle not to say or do things without fully thinking them through, and they also have a harder time learning from their mistakes. And I will say also, in this book, Healing ADD Revised Edition by Dr. Amen, he has a lot of what to do if you would rather not be medicated, even down to uh, supplements you can take and uh, the diet that he believes that would be the best and most efficient. So I want to end with, he has a very quick summary of what he calls the seven types of ADD. So he says, type one, classic ADD or ADHD. He says, inattentive, distractible, disorganized, hyperactive, restless, and impulsive. Uh, Number two, he calls inattentive ADD. Inattentive, easily distracted, disorganized, and often described as space cadets, daydreamers, and couch potatoes, not hyperactive. Number three, he calls over-focused ADD. He says it's inattentive, trouble-shifting attention, frequently gets stuck in loops of negative thoughts or behaviors, obsessive, excessive worrying, inflexible, frequent oppositional and argumentative behavior, may or may not be hyperactive. So again, that's type 3 or what he calls over-focused ADD. Number 4 is temporal lobe ADD, which again is inattentive, easily distracted, disorganized, but here's where this one changes a bit, irritable, a short fuse, dark thoughts, mood instability, and may struggle with learning disabilities, may or may not be hyperactive. Again, that's temporal lobe ADD. He has three more. Type 5 he calls limbic ADD, which is inattentive, easily distracted, disorganized, chronic low-grade sadness or negativity, a glass-is-half-empty syndrome, low energy, excuse me, tends to be more isolated socially, and frequent feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness, 
may or may not be hyperactive. Number six, he calls ring of fire ADD, inattentive, easily distracted, irritable, overly sensitive, cyclic moodiness, and oppositional, may or may not be hyperactive. And the last one he talks about is anxious ADD, which is inattentive, easily distracted, disorganized, anxious, tense, nervous, predicts the worst, gets anxious with timed tests, social anxiety, and often has physical stress symptoms such as headaches, gastrointestinal symptoms, and again, may or may not be hyperactive. So Dr. Amen says knowing your type is essential for getting the right type of help for yourself. All right, that is, if you are still with me, um, you, you need a medal or a magnet or a sticker or that sort of thing, especially because if you're listening to this and you've, you made it this far, most likely you want to hear more about ADD or ADHD, and part of that challenge is, is hanging in there. So if so, um, thank you for hanging in there. And if you do identify with these things, I hope, or even uh, some of these things, I hope that it's more of, uh, as I read in that one definition, that the diagnosis is often the treatment. And so by just understanding that there's not anything that is necessarily wrong with your, you know, your moral sense of turpitude or your effort, that it can be a neurological condition, which is your brain literally not giving you enough dopamine to stay focused, and uh, that there are ways to work with that, both medicated and non-medicated. And if anything, I just hope that you'll take this information and uh, just with that awareness, maybe bring a little more attention to it, do a little more research on it on your own. Um, I highly recommend that book, Driven to Distraction, or Dr. Amon's book, Healing ADD, the revised edition. And that's a good place to start. If you need to, go find a therapist that uh, speaks fluent ADD or fluent ADHD. And I think from that point, you'll have a better idea of what you're looking at and kind of the direction you can go from there. All right. Hey, thanks, uh, as always, for hanging in there and listening to um, this episode of The Virtual Couch. I will see you next time. Uh, Until then, have a great week. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most It's Until the end of her tune time